Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. My guest today is Ingrid Ravery Konopka. I had the enormous pleasure and opportunity to work quite closely with Ingrid while she was the director of Justin Trudeau's writing office since his very first election. On this episode, we go over some of the things that inspired her to pursue that career, the highs and lows and everything in between. We also talk about her life post-politics and how different and somewhat more normal that life can be. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's get started. Ingrid. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you? So good to see you. In person, no less. I'm happy to see you in person. You're like the first person I've seen in two and a half years. Makes me feel so good. (laughs) (laughs) How have you been? First of all, it's happy. It's happy to see you. Um, It has been a while, and it's been a while that. I've seen you actually. I can't remember um, the last time that uh, I came to your campaign office. That was the last time I saw you. (laughs) I I feel like I should have remembered that. (laughs) The last provincial election. I think that was the last one you ran in. Yeah. Yeah. I came in with my. I remember with with your with with a consul general. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember which one it was. Was it a lady or a? It was a lady. Yeah. She's still the consul general. She's still. Yeah. Let's, uh, just for the benefit of everyone listening and watching, uh, <laughs> because we do go uh, back a while, I don't remember if I had met you um, during Justin Trudeau's uh, convention run in 2008, right before the election, or if you came on board during the campaign as a volunteer. Um, but it must have been around there because we, we we went into office in 2007. I wasn't here for that campaign, but we got in. And then shortly right after that, there was the federal convention that was opening up for that same district, only federally, obviously. Um, and uh, from all the names... Here comes a guy by the name of Justin Trudeau. So everyone is excited. It's like, where did this guy come from? Just parachuted right in there. He, he wasn't really parachuted. He, I think he, what he basically what he said is that he had followed, you know, his dad's kind of path because his dad had part of the writing. Um, and yeah, and then in two thousand, so obviously he won he he won that convention. We helped him out, uh, and I mean it's no longer a secret now. And even if it was, I mean I don't care because I'm no longer involved. But the reason for that is because federally that riding was uh, the Bloc Québécois. They had managed to come in in the previous election or two previous elections, I can't remember. Um, and we knew that they were going to uh, work against us. Well, they had in two thousand and seven in the 2000 uh, provincial election, the 2007 provincial election. So we thought that we need to put an end to that. Um, And if a guy by the name of Justin Trudeau actually wins, then our provincial elections will become that much easier because (laughs) the the PQ forces locally won't have the help of the federal counterpart. Actually, I just want to interrupt this story for a second. So when we... When we finally ultimately ultimately won, I mean, spoilers, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, when we got all the furniture from uh, Madame Barbeau's office, on the main receptionist computer was the sticker with the phone number of the PQ's oh central office. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 
it's no, it's no secret. Honestly, it's I mean, it's, it's no secret. We knew exactly what was happening, and look, it's fine. I mean, it's the same. It's the same ideology. We know exactly what was going on, but in any case, you guys uh, win. Well, Justin Trudeau, uh, and I think at that point, I think the only person then at that point was Alex, who's been on the podcast. Uh, I'm sure they had a team. Uh, I was actually at that convention when when Justin Trudeau won, um, and then yeah, he won the election in 2008. Uh, what? Uh, at which point did you come in? So uh, in between, uh, between the convention and the election. Okay. Um, I met uh, Sophie at an event in Toronto, the 80th anniversary of Chatelaine, and I threw myself on her, and I said, "I want to work for your husband." <laughs> I mean, I'm obsessed. We're all <laughs> eager when we're young, right? <laughs> Um, so I don't know, she and I hit it off. And so my CV went from her hands to Justin's hands to Louis-Alexandre's hands. If it, if it went from her hands, it was almost automatic that this person was coming in, no? Not necessarily. Mm. And, and that's, but that's my experience in like the time I spend in politics yeah. is not everybody gives you a good feeling, right? Right. Some okay. people, you know, they're just there because they want to be seen or they want to, someone famous, mm -hmm. popular like Justin, mm -hmm. attracts a lot of people around mm -hmm. him, right? You have a have to have a good feeling about people. And there are people that you know is just going to work out, that they're going to work hard and they're going to be just the right people in terms of values. And um, yeah, I guess she had a good feeling for me. So, I mean, she was right, let's be honest. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, okay, so, so then what happens? Um, Who's the team at that point on? I know that there's Alex, there's you. Um, there's Sherry, whose last name I can't remember. I should probably, you have to cut this from the <laughs> There's no cuts. <laughs> Sherry. There was Sherry. Uh, <laughs> um, there were a couple of people who had helped out um, in the nomination, the, the convention. There was René Bar, mm -hmm. who... Legend. Uh, legend mm -hmm. who did still come out um, to help us at the election um, and did subsequently in others um, but I can't remember it's really long time ago Whatever, it's, it's not important uh, we're going to get back to this but short yeah. story on René Baer and for those wondering René Baer is a legend organizer at the federal she's uh, like four feet tall but she's like seven feet tall and be in attitude 100% yeah. so we're looking for houses with my wife and uh, so we're looking in the South Shore and we look at one and we're like, oh, let's make an offer or let's go visit or whatever. So we call the, the, the agent, the listing agent. He brings us in and we see the house, whatever. And then we wanted to put an offer on the house. So we sit down. So the guy's asking, you know, what are you guys doing this and that? And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm involved in politics. And he goes, oh, cool. My mom, my mom works in politics. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, provincial or federal? He's like, oh, I think she's mostly federal. Um, I'm like, what do you mean he thinks? I'm like, yeah. I'm like okay. Well, it's politics. Not everyone gets it, right? Um, and I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, what's her name? He goes, uh, Reine Berg. And I just froze. I'm like. You think she's federal? She's a legend. <laughs> like. Dude. Absolute legend. I'm like, of course I know your mom. He goes, oh, yeah? I'm like, fuck, half of Canada knows your mom. What are you talking about? She's such an unbelievable woman. So anyway, so you do the election, and then basically since then, I mean, it's it's history. Justin is in. Um, I remember the 2008. It was eight, right? Yeah, it was eight. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, I remember that whole year because municipal, provincial, and federal 
elections happened within a month from each other. Yeah. And there was um, U.S. elections at the same time, too. Not that it matters over here, yeah. but everyone's attention span is all over the place. Um, here's one thing I had realized. One, I had never seen mobilization like that. And I guess at the beginning, I mean, you're like, okay, it's Justin Trudeau. It's normal. He attracts crowds and all that stuff. And I remember that your campaign office was on St. Dennis. And I don't know how many times they had to close down that street because of demonstrators. And yeah. I thought to myself, is this a good start? Uh, like, poor guy. He's just getting started. People already hate, yeah. <laughs> hate him. He's not even elected yet. Um, it, it was crazy. And it's, it, it, it was a crazy run as well throughout whatever time that you were there yeah i think though that um you you get someone like like justin um you know with with his own story and of course his father's story you're gonna get people who remember the 70s um and for some people that was not great and then for a lot of other people it was amazing Mm -hmm. right so when you got high emotions that have been like bubbling for decades, what do you think happens? An election happens. But we honestly, like we were never discouraged when we saw the protesters. Um, I mean, for starters, and, and I mean, you know this about me, like I'm very idealistic and I, you know, I'm like, yeah, fine. They can, you know, let them protest. Yeah. It's great. You know, yeah. we, yeah. hi, democracy. Hi. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, that, that was honestly just a nice way of, of, of being seen and, and you know, um, it, it didn't bother me. It didn't bother us. Yeah. We, we, like, we took all the enthusiasm, whether it was positive or negative. Yeah. Um, so, but it also meant that we knew we had a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. We had a lot to prove, right? Because, of course... The the narrative was that he was this jet setter just, you know, coming in wanting to be a member of parliament like his father. Using his dad's name. Yeah. By the way, if yeah. my name was Trudeau, and I think everyone listening or watching is probably thinking the same thing. Like if your name is Trudeau, you're thinking at some point in your life that maybe I should do this. <laughs> maybe, like maybe, you know, like my dad was one of the most popular uh, prime ministers in Canada. Uh, I don't blame him for, for doing that. But he's also been, people have been telling him since he's a little, little child, you know, you'll be next. And so that must ferment something in his but head. That must, that must bring so much, and there must be so much pressure with that, right? Yeah. I mean, first of all, your dad is who he was and whether you agree or not uh, with his policies or whatever, he was yeah. uh, a, a remarkable political figure um, in, in Canada. And to first be born into that, because, mm. uh, you know, he wasn't, you know, he was born into this world. It, it's not yeah. like his dad became a politician afterwards. Um, and to be uh, living with maybe, the, I don't know if their expectations, I don't know what they are, uh, but to be living under that kind of umbrella, it, it must, you know, it, it must stress out a kid. I don't know. I don't know. I think, and I think you got to sort of compare it to your relationship with your own father. Yeah. Like, I don't know what your dad does, um, but did you, you know, feel the pressure to no. follow in your father's footsteps? No, never. Well, I'm, I think to a certain extent, that's also true. That's a good point. For, for Justin. I think that's not to say that he hasn't been, you know, he used to always say that, you know, politics was not something they talked about in their house. They talked about philosophy. They talked about. Yeah. Hard you know, to believe though. 
What? Well, when you're living in a house where you're seeing all these personalities come and go, you're obviously aware of what's happening. There's obviously discussions. Um, but to get back to what you're saying, I mean, my father wasn't that kind of a figure either, right? I mean, nobody nobody ever came up and said, boy, you're going to be an aluminum assembler just like your dad. <laughs> you know, you're going to go work as a machinist in a factory. <laughs> it's in your blood. Uh, but when your father is the prime minister and, you know, from as... As old as you can remember, you're being picked up and, you know, hugged by all these leaders. And, you know, I mean, like you, you're the center of attention if, it is, if, if, you, if you want. Yeah. Um, when all these personalities come over and, you know, the, met the queen when he was like four or five, whatever it was. Many times. You know, of course. Yeah. Um, Actually. It's different. I think that the, the impact that it had on him is that um, it really showed him the impact that politics could have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to be able to sort of look back as an adult and to look back on sort of like what, you know, his father has done for the country, it's sort of, okay, well, if I want to do good things and I want to do good changes and I want to help. This is a good way to do it. This is a good way to do it. Right. And I think that's the example he got from mm-hmm. his family and from his father. Where were you before? Like, how do you how do you get interested in politics? I mean, were you at all involved, or you just woke no. up one day and you're like, Justin Trudeau in politics? God damn, I want to work for that guy. I want to get involved somehow. There's a wave coming. I want to be part of it. Like, how did how, how does how does it work for you? Yeah, it was weird. I I don't come from a political family at all. Um, I mean, we're political in the small p sense. You know, nobody. We never mentioned a party in my household. We, you know, there was never this. Um, you know, we, we talked about issues, but we never talked about, you know, you know, oh, those damn liberals. That yeah, yeah. was never a conversation we had in my household. Um, I don't know. I, I was, you know, I, I'm from that era where, um, and this is going to sound very cliche, but like, you know, the West Wing had been on television. I was that right age, yeah. you know, just coming out of university. Um, I'd gone off and done other things. I'd lived in Spain and, and I came home and... And he was going to run. And I just was like, that could be really interesting. just felt it. I just felt it, yeah. So there's zero connection to the parties, zero connection to like partisan politics. And Nothing all that at all. It's funny that you mentioned that because I, it was the same thing for me. I only realized after I got the job that what there's a youth wing. Yeah, <laughs> you mean you mean I could have been doing this when I was like 16 or something? Like what? Yeah, there's university associate like yeah, and everyone knows this. I just didn't because I didn't care. I didn't care either. I was in university doing whatever I was doing, and I was interested in whatever I was interested in. And the last thing on my mind was okay, let's see what associations I can get involved in. Uh, Zero interest at that level. There was no planning whatsoever in my life to get to do what I ended up doing. I'll tell you one thing in fact, because I studied politics. And I remember while studying politics, Mm -hmm. telling myself, what the fuck am I doing? There's no way (laughs) I will ever find a job. Like, what am I doing? But I kept studying politics because I just found it interesting. That's it. And I just... Honestly, did not know what I was doing in, I, in university, and I know that I'm not the only one out there. There's a lot of lost people going into university not knowing what they want to do. I was one of them, uh, and then coming out of university, I also uh, lived abroad for a while, and then when I came back, it was just the friendship relationship that existed with my boss that got me in. 
completely from the back door. And then you have all these young kids coming. Oh, um, how do you do it? What do you recommend? Uh, and I was like, dude, you're asking the wrong person. I, I got lucky. That's the, got you lucky. Know, how do you how do you tell these kids? Look, don't worry about it. Uh, at some point, a friend of yours is going to run and he's going to open the back door right open for you. Yeah, that doesn't work. No, I. Yeah, I, I have a hard time uh, helping young people. Who well, no, get not into now, it. not now, because you understand a little bit how things work now, right? Yes, of course, I can. So sort you of can map guide it out them. For that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, when I tell them that I just sort of said, "Hey, I I want to help out," and it led to like five years of my life, yeah. and I, yeah, they sort of go like, "Wow." So how many campaigns did you? You did the two thousand and eight, and I did the two thousand and. 11. Uh, 11. Yeah. You weren't there at all? In the leadership. And, okay, that's what I was going to yeah. ask. In the leadership. Yeah. yeah. You were there until the end. He uh, became leader and he then you left. He became leader and then I left. Yeah. How stressful was that, the leadership race? You know what? It um, it was... So I have to say that the five years that I was with him, um, well, the four years before he became leader, were in themselves very stressful. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of time. You know, I mean, you know this. We... Mm -hmm. We saw more of each other than we saw of our families yeah. at events and in the community. And like we've – people who work in politics, especially constituency politics, you're on the ground all the time. Because yeah. your your boss has to be in, in your case, Quebec City, in mine in Ottawa. That's where they're supposed to mm -hmm. be working. Mm -hmm. So we were the members of parliament, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I was already at like that part of my life where I was exhausted all the time. I was working seven days a week, 90 hour weeks. It was crazy. And then the leadership comes around and it was just like, you know, we went from, you know, being busy all the time to being like busy to the point of being sick. Yeah. You know? Was it stressful? Of course it's stressful. When, you, when you're constantly going, when the engine is never stopping and you're always revving, of course it's, it's stressful. Did I think he wasn't going to win? No, of course not. I, and I mean, that sounds, you know. What do you mean win? You mean the, le the leadership? Oh, I, knew, I mean, okay. like, that, was, yeah. that was a given. I think everyone knew that. Yeah. yeah I, you know, it was a worthwhile campaign to do and it was, you know, it was great to, to, to be able to sort of start the momentum to the general election, which was going to come in 2015. And, and that was the plan. We knew that we weren't campaigning for literally liberal leadership. We mm -hmm. were campaigning for the 2015 general election right. yeah. to replace the conservatives. Um, but was it stressful? In that sense, not really. It was just exhausting because it was a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the, um, here's the the here's the big question mark, and I won't lie to you. Mm -hmm. I had it, uh, and a lot of people had it because when you come – see, a lot of people think that your biggest enemy uh, in politics are your – you know, it's your adversaries, but oftentimes the biggest enemy you have in politics actually sit in your caucus. <laughs> There's a lot of competition. Uh, everyone wants to get ahead. Um, you know, uh, but whether they're using politics as a stepping stone or if they, you know, at the end of the day, if they want to do something, you know, good for their society, um, is it, irrelevant. There's a lot of competition. People are there. You know, it, it's not a small feat to put your face on a on, on, a, on a poster, right? So, um, and here comes a guy named Justin Trudeau. And I saw this as soon as he got elected in 2008, they shoved him so back 
Like he was behind the backbenchers, like stuck in some corner under the shadow. Like you could barely even see him on TV, kind of thing. But that was great. Yeah, that's fine. He was doing a bunch of other work. <laughs> At some point, yeah. some cameras caught him signing like wish cards or whatever. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is that a lot of people felt that, okay, you come in in 2008, you're stuck in opposition, you're not given much importance. And, uh, you know, you know, a lot of people that were in the game and the kind of understand how things work they kind of saw that as an obvious move like okay ugh, there's tension there, there maybe there's a they're, they're afraid there's a lot of competition the guy you know justin chudo came in now um so he's stuck in the opposition and then you go from opposition like not even to getting some form of important file as a critic in opposition not you go straight from up from the back bench to leading the party to becoming prime minister. Uh, I don't know at what point he was ready or uh, to assume that kind of responsibility or if he had people around him that were kind of coaching him and to kind of bring him to some sort of, you know, reality check. I don't know that anybody is ready for that job, to be honest. It doesn't matter how often you've had a critic well, role look, or ready, even a minister ready in the sense, Ready in the sense that you understand how parliament functions. You've had some sort of experience managing some file. Um, ooh, I, this is my opinion. I, I don't know if he had that. I mean, he certainly, you know, the... The, one of the really nice things about being an opposition backbencher MP in the deep opposition, because we were the second opposition, right. um, is that you have plenty of time to learn. No, initially when you guys got in, you were the official opposition, and then you lost. And uh, yeah. I think in 2011 or whatever that election. Yeah, yeah, but the, still, yeah. that that period was really important for for learning, right? And and of course, he was being in Ottawa. Um, Alex was, you know, you couldn't ask for a better person to agree to uh -huh. pour the foundation, 100%. right? Like the guy is the best guy to have worked on the hill, yeah. you know, and that was really what was important to, to give Justin that foundation and to, um, and it, it, it's funny because I don't think that what happened in Ottawa in that period matters. Mm-hmm. Right. What, in what way? In the way that it doesn't matter if he, you know, had introduced legislation. It didn't matter if he was in the House. Okay. It didn't matter if he had been critic. It didn't matter if he was asking questions in QP. What matters was the work that we were doing in a constituency. Mm -hmm. Because that's where the expectation to fail was really set. Right. Right. People didn't think he was going to care about his constituents or he wasn't going to put in the time. He wasn't going to, you know, be the presence that that particular community needed. requires yeah and i think that by focusing a lot of our efforts there we were able to really give justin um you know within that mix of foundation a really good sort of basis on on what's really important when you become leader and when you become prime minister but nobody's ready for that job no, no there's absolutely. no there's no other job in the world like it Tell me something, because yeah. by the time the leadership came around, 
like you said, obviously in the beginning it's hard. Everyone's getting to know each other, getting to know the job. Uh, you're getting to know the, the the ground, who's in charge of what, and you, you know you you're doing the work required for you to get ahead on the ground. Because like you said, it's the I, I I agree with you. It's the most important uh, place where you need to focus on. So by the time that leadership comes, you have kind of like your you know the mechanisms are in place, right? Like you have your little group, you have your little family in the riding, a little family up on the hill. Everything is nice. What happens when he's thinking of the leadership race or when he announces his intention to run a leadership race? How many people just come into the equation and how does that feel? Because you feel at that point that, you know, I, I have some sort of place up there, right? I mean, I, I was there from the very beginning. I'm in charge of the writing office. Uh, I have a very close, uh, I have his ear, I have, I have his attention. And, and then suddenly the leadership comes in. Again, his name is Justin Trudeau. And then you just have people coming in from everywhere, from all across the country. It's obviously an opportunity. People are seeing, you know, there's the Justin Trudeau train coming along. We've got to get on that. That's how it works in politics. I mean, we're not going to hide it. Yeah. How do you feel at that moment where you're part of that initial kind of nucleus, if you want, of, you know, close advisors and you kind of, you know, you have things under control, both on the hill and on the riding. But now it's like next level, right? You just <laughs> opened the door and you went into phase two and you have all these unknown people and, you know, obviously more egos and mm. more clashing uh, heads. How was that? That was, um, that was a lot harder than I had expected. I mean, the reality is, is like we'd spent five years in our little cocoon, you know, me, Stavrula, Alex, Tommy, and Justin, it was just us. And we, we, you know, we have, you know, even to this day, great relationships and, and we still love each other, um, um, a lot, um, but it was it was quite disruptive, you know, for our little family court. Suddenly, like, wow, the whole neighborhood lives with us now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was hard. Um, but I think at the same time we were, you know, I I I I knew I knew what my job was to be during the leadership. Like that was very clear to me. I knew what I needed to focus on, and that was to make sure that Papino was taken care of, mm -hmm. right? And there's a, a very important part of that that's also um, where where Justin still needs those roots, mm -hmm. right, with the original staff, you know, that original Team Trudeau. See, yeah, because and I want you to finish your point, but yeah. what's important for people to understand is that you can have whatever role or whatever importance up on the hill. If you don't get elected, you don't have a job. So yeah. it's it's super important to maintain that riding seat. Yeah. But it was also, you know, a lot of what was happening during that leadership was really a replication of what we had done in Papineau. Mm -hmm. Right. And that meant trying to ensure that certain values and, and uh, attitudes and behaviors, at least from where I was sitting, had to be maintained. You know, there was a way that we had done things that made us successful and that that would work nationally. And a lot of that was replicated everywhere. Um, but you bring in new people, they have new ideas and that's that's fine. That's that's the way it, it, it should work. I mm -hmm. mean, um, and I think to a certain extent, um, you know, and, and I said this a lot, you know, Justin needs to trust the people that he has 
around him, mm-hmm. right? That's all of us. He can't have doubts at this point. He has to trust, and we have to we have to work to make it work, right? What, was there a point where he felt that he couldn't trust people? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that from from the point of view of getting new people, you you sort of have to, okay, well, Justin has wants these people. Um, you know, we can't be, you know, if we have a disagreement on the side, that's irrelevant to what's happening with, with the candidate. Mm-hmm. You got to keep him confident in that his team is working together, that we're all on the same page and that we're all going to give him the same messaging. Mm-hmm. Um, and that for me was the most important part of, of making sure that we, um, that those, those differences and those tensions, which invariably happen mm-hmm. when new people come in, um, that he wasn't suffering for that. Right. So. So, 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 okay. So what happens after the leadership? Cause uh, I don't remember, uh, I'm trying to go back and I don't think we had met at, uh, at that point, but you, you, you make a decision to leave. What was it that just told you it's enough? I, I got to go. Or did you think that the time had come for you to just, you know, do whatever, you know, you have to do next? Because here's the thing, and I'm looking from my perspective, my mm-hmm. personal perspective. I come in with a rookie politician uh, with obviously an ambition, gets involved in the leadership, wins the leadership. The last thing on my mind would be, all right, well, my job here is done. I'm abandoning ship. You're thinking, okay, what's next now? Where else can I go? How many more doors can I open what more achievements can I make for myself, right? Because everyone is in it to see, you know, um, it's to evolve and to advance. Um, so here you are at the very beginning, you do all the hard work, establish the writing, get everything, you know, balanced out. You get, you know, Justin Trudeau to, to kind of, you know, learn to live with this new reality, this new existence as a politician. He gets the leadership race, he wins the leadership race, and you're like, okay. <laughs> Ciao. What happened there? There were a lot of things at that point in my life. Um, and the most important, and this is going to sound really cheesy, but it was love. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it's true, though. So um, I met my husband the night that Justin had a boxing match with... Senator Brazel. We all remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but not everybody met the love of their life at that match. Ah, okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. So he had been brought in by Michael Dentant, um, who at the time was writing for um, Post Media, mm-hmm. right? And and it, he'd actually go on to work for PMO and, um, and for Christopher Freeland. But he um, had brought one of the kids from the Bureau, and that was... My, that was your guy. My guy. And so we shook hands that night and then we followed each other on Twitter and we're going to be celebrating our 10th anniversary <laughs> wow. in May. Wow. Yeah. Good. Congrats. Yeah. Let me tell you, we're going to sidetrack a little bit here <laughs> since we're talking about love and marriage because <laughs> you did something and I, I don't know if I'm speaking on behalf of all the women listening because obviously they, they, you know, they, they won't agree with me, but definitely on behalf of all men, I can tell you that what you guys did for your wedding Every guy out there just wishes that the woman they're with just wakes up one morning and says, you know what? Screw the expenses. Screw the big weddings. Let's just take a couple of our friends and get the hell out of here and go get married. We didn't even take any friends with us. Uh, on top of it. Yeah. Shit. Okay, so, well, I don't know if I'd be able to do that. But 
the, the idea that let's just get lost and forget about everything, yeah. leave all the stress behind and forget about you know all this planning business and everything and let's just go have fun and just love each other and that's it. Amazing. So the thing is, we had originally planned a wedding. We actually had a wedding planned. We were going to get married at Ernst Cliff, which is the residence of the British High Commissioner in Ottawa. It's beautiful. And then my dad died. Oh, no. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And funnily enough, my dad was like, don't get married. It'll ruin everything. You guys have something that works. So he dies, and I'm like, I don't want a wedding. Mm. My dad's not going to be there. I don't want a wedding. Right. And so we we thought about it for a while, and I was going through a wedding magazine, and and I saw a like a an ad get married in New Orleans. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. So we told everybody, you guys, we are eloping. Mm. We don't want anybody to come. We each bought like I bought a wedding dress. He had a suit made, and I said to everybody, you know, don't come. We we just want us, and we spent a week in New Orleans getting, as I as I I like to sort of abbreviate the experience. We went to New Orleans to get fat, to get drunk, and to get married. That's the best. It was amazing. I I and I everybody today like elope. <laughs> That's it. Take my advice. Just. Elope. Um, and we had a nap on our wedding day, and we had fried chicken as our wedding meal. <laughs> Yeah, best fried chicken meal, like best fried chicken in the world, a place called Willie Mays in New yeah. Orleans. Um, you cannot go wrong. That's that's amazing. Yeah. That, that's just the best. Uh, and I'm I'm happy. I'm happy you guys are going strong there. Ten years later. Um, so so that's the reason then. It's one of the reasons that I left. Yeah. Um, I you know back to the stressful and the exhaustion. Five years of running a guy who's as popular and as well known as Justin, that's really that's like, a lot. like your body can't take it anymore. Five years is a lot. Um, working for a regular person that is elected, yeah, it's 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 a lot. It's a lot of stress. It's a, it's it's a lot. Like you, you, it it takes a toll on you. It's incredible, yeah. And then when you add the Justin Trudeau factor in there, obviously I can imagine. Um, we were talking about this before we, we we recorded about just leaving that entire world, and obviously it took me more years to get out of it than you did. Um, how hard or how easy was that for you? Because for me, there were, there were challenges and whatever, we'll talk about it. But I, I'm curious to know about you. It was hard. It was hard because you're always in politics. As I said, you're always like the engine's always running, right? And then you turn off the car and you're like, what's happening? It's so quiet. Yeah. So quiet and we're not going anywhere and we're not meeting anybody. And It almost feels unnatural. It's very unsettling. Yeah. And of course, exciting things were happening for him, mm -hmm. right? But I, I mean, like I, I had made for me, what was the right decision? I didn't have the energy to to support him in the way he should have been supported, right? Mm -hmm. So I knew it was time to go. Um, but at the same time, I had the advantage of like, you know, just moved in with my new boyfriend. No, your mind was elsewhere and you, you made the right decision. Uh, I got to tell you, for me, and what you said, it's 100% true. It feels like you're running and then suddenly... Your brain keeps going like at 100 miles an hour, but your body has hit a wall. Yeah. Like it's like these two weird realities. Yeah. You know? And I got lucky in a way because he moved out. Um, my 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 now husband um, moved out to Hamilton to work for Post Media after they closed the bureau in Ottawa. And I followed him. 
if he had stayed in Ottawa, I don't know what would have happened to my political career. But regardless, um, I got a job in Toronto and that didn't work out for a number of reasons. And so I got to take a year off. And that was the best reset. No way. It was like a break from my former life, mm-hmm. you know, and I was able to just be with him, just, you know, cook at home and walk the dog and hang out with my friends. And it was so amazing. It was, so was it? Yeah, really? Okay. It was stressful. Yeah, I, I was lost. I, honestly, even now, I mean, it's been almost four years. Um I got to be honest with you. I I love knowing that I don't live under that stress anymore. And, you know, that go, 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 go kind of uh, mentality and reality. But oftentimes, uh, probably on a weekly basis, I'll tell myself, what what am I doing? I mean, I'm (laughs) looking back on it as like, I'm looking back on it with, of course, you sort of think, oh, like that was the best thing. But at the time it was stressful. It was stressful also because nobody would hire me. Because of the association to Justin yeah. Trudeau? Yeah. And everybody would ask me the question, why did you leave? What's wrong with yeah. you? Yeah. And they all expected I would go back. Mm. And I always said I would never go back. That That's the other, I want to say, unfortunate thing. And I've spoken to a lot of former staffers who have told me the exact same thing. When you work and you have so many years in you start getting labeled and it's normal. I mean, you're working for a politician for God's sakes. Obviously there's some partisanship somewhere there, but what sucks is that the people in the private sector don't understand that there's a life after politics. And you know, you, it, it sucks that, they they paint those labels and they just stick on you right now because for everyone, you're Ingrid Ravery, former uh, staffer to Justin Trudeau. Automatically, people are like, okay, yeah, she's a liberal kind of thing, right? Maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing. Well, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there's automatically a label that goes on there and it, you're not the first person that has told me that it's been so difficult finding a job after you know that chapter closes. I'm lucky because we have our own business. So... I don't care. And I kind of saw that and we were developing it way before I left politics. So for me, it was always that security net that in case something goes bad, you know, something goes sideways, at least I won't be left hanging. Right. So I'm glad that I had the presence of mind to think Mm -hmm. what's next. Like, what if it doesn't work out? I need to have a backup plan and I need to have it ready to go. I don't want to have to start from scratch. And thankfully, uh, along with my wife, we we, we did that perfectly. Uh, So uh, I didn't have to go through that but a lot of people that we work with former colleagues it wasn't all peachy for them no i was lucky because the toronto firm that i ended up working with um still uh they were having some some issues but they were still able to give me enough sort of work that i could do from home that like it was it was fine what did you end up doing actually i went to be a consultant for a very very small firm that i i don't think exists anymore but um It was, um, yeah, the, the, especially the second half where I was, as I said, be able to work from home and, you know, cook dinner for my husband, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, my now husband. And, um, yeah, that was, that was exactly what I needed. I needed that break. 
th- this was before the election, before the liberals got in. So you working now as a consultant, was anything uh, government related? Like, was there any government relations at all? Yeah, there was, but not for the federal government. Ah, okay. Only uh, the provincial government okay. of Ontario. Okay, okay. good, good. good. Yeah. Cause I was, that's what I was going to ask you, because you weren't yet in government. And usually, I mean, the door is very difficult to open. Like, you're knocking, you're like, hello, can I need some help here? Yeah. And it's just, you're, you're finding it closed all the time. But I... Um, I didn't, uh, I didn't stay, um, like without a, you know, a proper job very long, um, because we packed up all our stuff and moved back to Montreal so I could work for the British for an office. Um, I, I remember when you got that job and I can't remember where we ran into each other. You're all giggly. You're like, oh my god, I started working <laughs> for, for, for the British consulate. Oh, I work for the Queen. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a Canadian citizen, but I'm also a British citizen. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, okay. my dad is well was from London. Um, it's a very important part of my identity. It's like I've I've. I am, you know, as much invested in Canada as I am in Britain. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I never thought in my life that I would be able to work in the foreign service, mm. but the British foreign service. <laughs> it was amazing. I, like, I'm still, like, I spent seven years with them. Yeah. I didn't spend the seven years at the consulate. I ended up going to Ottawa and, and sort of getting a promotion and all that and do different things. But, um, it was amazing. I got to go to the G7. I met prime ministers. I So 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 what do you do there? So uh, tell everyone how it is to work for the I guess it's the the, the diplomatic or the corps consular, it's the consular corps. It is it's, it's, a, it's a diplomatic corps. Yeah. 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 Well, um you're basically representing uh the UK in Montreal. Yes. Essentially. Yes. That's what it is. Exactly. Um, so my role was the political and public affairs officer. So um, there's a lot of interest in the UK for what happens in Quebec. Obviously, I arrived at the British uh, consulate in 2014. And just prior, I think like a month before, um, Scotland had its independence referendum and so there's always been this interest in what's going on in Quebec and a lot of the work is not just to talk about the UK to Quebec uh, businesses, Quebec politicians Quebec um, uh, academics it's it's also about taking that information back to London Mm -hmm. um, on issues that they want to know about. At the same time um, I mean we one of the things that sort of changed everything for for the British um, in Canada was Brexit. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Yeah. yeah. And it meant that Canada went from, and, and, and like I remember that shift, like it was very sudden as soon as the, you know, as soon as that referendum happened and, and you know, the British voters voted to leave the EU, Canada became so much more important to the UK. Obviously. You know, we used to call it benign neglect. It's <laughs> our relationship to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> um, but suddenly there's this like, oh, wait a minute. We need them now. We need Canada. We need to have that bilateral relationship. We need to have that partnership. We need to have that trade agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went from being what was a sleepy little... 
you know, to a very busy um, and lots of visits from polit- from like MPs and ministers mm-hmm. and prime ministers and um, a lot of reporting back to London. Um, you know, one of the things that happens with Brexit was that powers that were in the hands of the EU, so let's say agriculture, for example, those powers would be coming back not to the central government in the UK, but to the devolved administrations. And the devolved administrations are Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, and England. And so um, that is like the system is being created in the UK to resemble a little bit the federal system we have in Canada. Um, And the UK really wanted to know, how does that work? How does the federal system in Canada work? Is that something we want to replicate? Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time talking about constitutional issues. Oh, my God. (laughs) It was really, really fascinating. I mean, honestly, like Canada has a fascinating constitution and its application is is really interesting. Um, And the UK definitely took lessons out of Canada um, the primary being we are not going to do like Canada yeah. um, because Canada's very decentralized. Actually, it's the most decentralized federation in the country, mm-hmm. um, pardon me, in the world. But, um, uh, you know, the, the the relationships on this federation are very informal and they're very, you know, it's uh, it's, it's guys in the back room, right? That's that's how it works. It's yeah, about yeah. personalities. Um, the UK was like, oh, yeah, we don't we don't want to do that. But they are now still sort of dealing with this issue with Northern Ireland mm-hmm. um, and, and that that agreement and all. It's 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 fascinating. Yeah. Honestly, like Brexit for me from a personal point of view is a disaster, right? As a British citizen, I can't believe they did that. Right. Professionally, it was amazing. It, yeah, it was the biggest challenge of, <laughs> it was, of your professional It career. was really great. And it sort of allowed me to shift my career a little bit. Um, so I did five years at the consulate in Montreal. And then um, I was uh, promoted to become um, an agricultural trade policy advisor. So I basically was one of the trade negotiators on the bilateral agreement between Canada and the UK. Honestly, I, I, I'm very happy to hear this, and I didn't know this. It's good, but of like of all things, like agriculture, it's if, endlessly fascinating. Oh my goodness! Come and you got to understand. Okay, so here's why um, it's important. So one of the things that when we talk about Canada, right? What are the things about Quebec that make it sort of? What are the things that give Quebec certain powers? Right? It's agriculture. It's dairy farming, mm-hmm. right? The power of the dairy farmer in Quebec politics is oh, for sure. Massive. Oh, not only dairy, you have the pork farmers as well. Oh, yeah, in general, yeah, it's okay. a good. It's 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 a good example to use yeah, the yeah, dairy farmers, yeah. right? And the UK couldn't understand the dynamics, the political dynamics, the social dynamics, the historical issues, the the sort of emotional attachment that people have to dairy farmers in Canada, and how. Quebec's position historically and constitutionally had an impact on how Canada could negotiate trade agreements. And because I had all that political knowledge and that historical background and I'd done a lot of that constitutional work, um, that made me kind of perfect to take (laughs) on that job. And honestly, I know more about agriculture now than I ever thought I would. I, you know, it, 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 I still take interest in global weather patterns. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like you have to agree that of all the things that you could have thought that I 
you know, quote unquote, specialize in. <laughs> Agriculture probably wasn't on top of the list. Oh, it touches everything we do in our lives. Absolutely, 100%. It's, it's uh, you know, it, yeah, and especially now with Ukraine. I, and of course, I'm not involved in agriculture now because I'm a, I'm a consultant, but um, I still watch it very carefully and I'm, you oh, know. Oh, no, but we, we, we definitely see how the, the entire world has been impacted. Absolutely. One country, Absolutely. one conflict. Yeah. One country, one conflict. Yeah. Um, people are going to starve, literally, because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that agriculture is fascinating. Tell me, tell me now, because you left that the, the diplomatic field and you went back to consulting. Uh, that's code language for lobbyist. Uh, <laughs> you make it sound so unromantic. <laughs> I just have a I have an issue with people. They're like, so what do you do for a living? Yeah, I'm a consultant. It's like, okay, what kind of consulting? Oh, we uh, I I do lobby for the guys. Like, just say lot, you're a lobbyist. There's a lot of of consulting with clients when you do lobbying for them. It's only a small part of the the relationship that you have with your clients. Right. Right. Um, you are really there to. Um, you're not only there to sort of create relationships with the government for them, you're also there to sort of either guide them into the direction they want to go in or you're there to um, help find the direction that they should be going in. Right. Right? So you spend a a lot of time um, strategizing with your clients. Um, There's some hand-holding. It's not all about calling up you know, minister and saying, hey, uh, you got a couple million. That's not what it's about. At least that's that's not how I conduct myself at all. Admit though that that's how everyone perceives what you do. You're, yeah. on, the, you're, you're on the phone. Hey, uh, how much money can we uh, can we drop over here? Yeah, a client has interest. And it, it, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But I mean, government and, and, and everybody should, you know, think about how you do your taxes. How, how hard is doing your taxes? It's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's like that for anything you want in government. Yeah. Everything requires a long form, time, frustration. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's just a client who says, help me fill out the form, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, make sure they know the form is in. Make sure that. What kind of clients do you have now? I have all sorts of, all sorts of clients. Mostly federal? I do only federal. Oh, only federal. Yeah. I only work on federal files. Um, so I work for a, um, um, a Toronto-based firm, but we have a, a growing Ottawa office called Sussex Strategy Group. And we touch on everything. We, we Was that weird for you to go back to, uh, you know, the old stomping grounds there? Uh, all your, your, your former colleagues there? I don't know if you still know anyone there or yeah, no, still I, anyone there. No, of course I do. Of course I do. Um, so many people who work on the Hill started off as interns in my office. Um, <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, but no, it's not weird. It's not weird because, and and it goes back to diplomacy. Diplomacy is lobbying. Mm-hmm. It's it, it doesn't have the same requirements in terms of legal. Uh, you know, you 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 don't have to put in a registration with the lobbyist uh, commission. But it's you don't as a no as, today as a lo- as a consultant lobbyist for Sussex. Absolutely. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But when you work in diplomacy, you don't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I understand. Okay. But it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's literally the same thing. Um, and you know, it's, it's nice to be able to see some old faces and, um, 
And I mean, I, I really love it. And you know, the thing about like being a consultant that I like most of all, and I figured this out about myself a couple of years ago, you know, when they say, find your purpose in life, like, what is it that drives you? And for me, it's my curiosity. Mm -hmm. I'm always interested in everything. Yeah. And in consulting, you need to be curious. Yeah. You need to want to know more about whatever the client is, is working on or, um, and I'm always on board. I always want to know. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. And this may be strange because obviously you worked for the man that became the prime minister. Yeah. Um, you are now, however, on the other side, right? Where you need to navigate these troublesome waters sometimes for your clients. You're, you're, the interests that you're looking out for now are your clients and no longer, you know, your former colleagues or, you know, necessarily Justin Trudeau himself. Um, you're seeing all these things happening. What do you like? What goes through your mind? Like I'm talking about, you know, all these controversies, the ethics violations. Um, like, and again, I'm I'm on the sideline now, looking at this, and I'm thinking, holy shit! Like, what is going on up there? Like, who is advising him? And it feels sometimes that he's still a beginner. And I hope I'm not insulting anyone because we have a lot of friends there that work for him or that have worked for him. But it's just the perception that I get. And if I'm getting it, definitely a lot of people are getting it. Mm -hmm. I'm actually talking to a lot of people who are, who are you know, calling me or, you know, in our discussions, they're telling me, dude, what's, what's wrong with this guy? You know, um, there's so much controversy with what happened with a convoy, whether we're for or against it. Um, we suddenly got this perception internationally that, Justin Trudeau is an autocrat. He's not an autocrat, but that's the perception that people uh, start having just out of the blue, just because of an organized group that came to demonstrate in front of parliament, which, by the way, they have the right to, whether they have the right to block and to, to remain there and to force themselves on, you know, uh, staying there and threatening everyone, that obviously is against the law. But the fact that they wanted to demonstrate there is perfectly normal and fine, and we've seen that happen. It's just that there was a next level of organization that rallied tens of thousands of people there. How does that become internationally seen as, oh, shit, look, Justin Trudeau uh, is authoritarian, authoritarian, taking away freedoms and all that stuff. When you're looking at all this thing from the outside now, are you? do you still have a soft spot? And you're like, oh, no, poor guys. Uh, I hope they're going to be fine. Or are you kind of following that wave and thinking, shit, what the fuck is going on? Like, who, who, who's advising him like what's happening in that office i personally um and i i i said this all the time you know justin never paid me to agree with him right right um and i i'll give you an example i'll give you a story so obviously we we remember the really horrible shooting rampage that happened in nova scotia mm -hmm. right with the 22 people mm -hmm. and I remember when it was announced that there wouldn't be a public inquiry mm -hmm. and I, I went off the rails. You flipped the table. I could not believe like what cowards, the worst thing that has, like this is, you know, a guy went out and murdered a bunch of people in cold blood. Mm -hmm. The RCMP couldn't figure it out properly, probably made it worse. And the government says, it's okay. We don't need to find out what happened. Yeah. The public doesn't need to know. And I lost it. Yeah. And I um, 
I took to one of the social media platforms and sort of said I couldn't believe that the government was. Wait, are you still employed now at, at, at the office, or you had left? Oh, I had left. Oh, you had left. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. but this is the recent yeah. um, event that actually the public inquiry has uh, happened, but that's only because everybody lost their minds yeah. about it not happening. And I remember I posted about it, and somebody who is still inside, um, sort of, you're being ridiculous. How can you be so hard on us? Why would you say something like that? Expecting that because I had worked for the guy and I had invested heavily into yeah. what has happened, that I would just be his defender. Right. And rather be a, rather than being a critic, mm-hmm. I don't believe in being a psychophant. Mm-hmm. And I certainly, I mean, everybody knows this about me. I will say exactly what I think. Um, and there have certainly been some very serious disappointments with this government. Yeah. Um, I. Do you do you find that you're thinking like this much more now that you're on the outside, or were you always like that? Even I was always like I was like that when I was a little girl. <laughs> oh God, I was raised to be a contrarian. I, I'm gonna tell you something <laughs> because, uh, and I just realized that recently. We are so focused on doing whatever it is that we have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was never the big partisan guy, right? I wasn't the guy in the conventions that you'd see me clapping and say, yeah, live, live. I was never one of those guys, right? I was there, I was listening, it was in- it was entertaining, it was motivating, yes, but I wasn't, you know, the crowd that would yell and like, oh my God, like I wasn't part of that crowd ever. Um, but the fact is that when you're in it for so long, you kind of drink the Kool-Aid, man. You know what I mean? You, I... you go along with it. And when you come out, and I don't know if this happened to you, and this is what I want to ask you. Slowly, slowly, you're like, what the fuck? What bubble was I in, man? Like, uh, you start waking up and there's all these things that keep happening. And you're starting to realize that, okay, wait, hold on a second. I, I got to look at these things objectively to, uh, to some degree. I mean, I, I have to put partisanship aside here because obviously I'm no longer involved. But I think with time, you just follow the kind of, you know, the rhythm. And then... Were you at all part of that movement? And if so, did you find it hard to kind of wake up once you were out? No, um, I wasn't. But, you know, um, one of the things that, that did happen to me in politics, I would shout at my television during QP <laughs> every day. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, of course. Every day. <laughs> Same here. And I mean, who does that? <laughs> Who's sitting in front of their... Who's like, yes, two o'clock? Yeah, nobody, nobody. I'm going to close my office door no, and imagine, shouting. Imagine, imagine there's like a hidden camera and like regular society that is not, not involved in politics is looking at you, looking at your TV screen and just yelling at the opposition or cheering when the minister gives a good answer. But you know what, though? It's not normal. No, it's not normal. But there was... I mean, the 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 in, in our... In our writing, one of the things that, you know, we had a lot of blog voters and we had a lot of NDP voters and um, and it was, I mean, from, from where I stood, it was important for me to have a relationship with these people. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I wasn't interested in, in giving them, you know, the little, you know, glass of Kool-Aid. That wasn't my purpose. My purpose was for us to have normal human relationships mm-hmm. and to hear their side and, and to... to Everybody's got a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. It's 
it's about not leaving anybody out. It's right. about bringing people in as much as possible. Um, so no, I, I mean, I was, I was very heavily criticized when I was with Justin that I was not sufficiently partisan, not from Alex, not from anybody in our team. Yeah, yeah. Like, every, like that's not what they wanted. Right. But there were people who were sort of hangers on, on the edges who was like, yeah, but she's not a real liberal. And God forbid I hadn't voted liberal in the election before I voted for, for Justin in wow. 2008. Yeah. So, and I mean, and that's but the, that, but you know what? I, I I always thought that that was very dangerous for any party. Absolutely. Um, you need to absolutely. be aware of what's happening, and you have to keep an objective eye, yeah. um, because when reality hits, it hits hard. And I'm experiencing that now at the provincial level, where people are wondering what the hell is happening. Oh my God! All the polls are showing us like with 15 to 17 seats, and that's dramatic, and it's a historic low for the party. And I'm here thinking, how did you not see this happen? Mm. Back in 2012, like people think that the crisis started now. People think that the liberal takes uh, the, a long time. People think that the Quebec Liberal yeah. Party crisis is happening now, and and they're blaming uh, uh, Dominique Anglade and all, and and whatever. Look, I'm not going to get in, involved in that. I I just don't think that it's a hundred percent her fault. It's the party's fault for not seeing that we've been on the decline since. Jean Charest left. I mean, and we noticed that. Uh, the we, biggest mistake people make in politics is to expect that things will never change. You know, we call we, we talk about writings that, you know, we could run a dog and that dog would, right. would be the candidate. That's not true. That's not true. And it's when we start surfing on those assumptions that we start losing. I agree with you 100%. And the other thing that I find very sad, and this is one of the things I was telling you before, that once you come out, then you realize what you were doing and maybe it was bad. Uh, and that's taking voters for granted. And I don't know how the other parties function. Uh, I've seen a little bit how the federal liberals work and how the provincial liberals work, and it was common practice. It was common practice to take certain groups and say, these guys are on our side, and let's not worry about that, and let's just, you know. And there was all this strategy done on how to win elections, and I've done quite a few to know that there were certain groups that were taking for granted, and I'm guilty of it because I've, I've done it. Now, the difference is that back in our day, those votes were actually ours. So it wasn't such a bad, like on a strategic level now I'm talking about, it wasn't so bad to think, okay, let's go Italian, South Asians, Greeks, this, that. They're on our side. And it's just to, to give you like an idea of what you need to do as a strategy in an election. Problem is that it's been 10, 15, whatever years since then. Mm. And when we were running elections in 2007, 2008, there were kids then that didn't vote that now do vote. And I, th I feel like the parties have lost, you know, the, 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 they're, they're gone. They don't understand that the new wave of voters that 10 years ago weren't even allowed to vote because they were too young. Those guys now yeah. don't necessarily vote like their parents or like the, like the grandparents. Yeah. And there's a disconnect between the party and that kind of... Yeah. Uh, We'd seen... So, of course, that's not how we functioned in Papineau. I mean, we knew, like, we're, we're like God, the liberals, like... It, I knew going in that the liberals were, it was bad, right? Mm -hmm. um, and of course, that's not how we comported ourselves in the writing. We knew that we had to bring in more people and we had to be respectful of the other side. There's no space for, you know, hating the other side for, for their views or there's, there's no space for that. But I think, um, you know, if funny, f little funny story, I remember when I started, Alex had said, 
you know, oh, we're going to go door to door. Oh, most people don't do door to door anymore, though. They think it's old fashioned. And he was like, but we want to be old fashioned mm -hmm. in terms of our politics. Yeah. You know, we, we want to shake hands with as many people as possible. He's 100% right, by the way. He's 100%, 100% right. Uh, and I've seen that in more recent elections where we're basing ourselves on some algorithm that a computer spits out as if they know the reality on the ground. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, sometimes, of course, it works. I mean, it's it's a computer, but it's not always exact. It's, it doesn't no. always reflect and, uh, the reality. You know, we had taken the idea that, um, and I'm going to give away a little bit of, of the secret sauce. Oh. So when you do an election, um, after the election, you get all the data back from uh, Elections Canada. And we would put up a map of the writing and we would color that map. Same based mm -hmm. on like, did we win it by 10%? Did we win it by 20%? Did we win it by 30%? Compared to the previous election. Or compared yeah. to the previous, and then we go, did we lose this one by 10%? Did we lose that by 20%? And our strategy was really to- Pick up trends. Well, it was less about picking up trends as it was, let's make sure we find, you know, let's make sure we hit those areas where we You're have weak. lost. Hmm or where we could be losing, mm -hmm. right? And of course, that's we were fixing decades Absolutely. of- 100%. Of-, of um, I still have our maps. I kept them. I'll, I'll show them to you. <laughs> I, I left them behind. <laughs> I didn't bring them. Yeah. Um, but, you, and, and I, I mean, that, that's that's really important to, 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 to sort of look at your population and, and also to be aware. You know, I remember saying- to Alex in 2010, before the election, I said, you know, I don't think the bloc's going to be the problem for us. I think our problem is going to be the NDP. Mm -hmm. And he thought about it and he's like, why do you think that? I said, because we've got a lot of students who've moved into the writing. Exactly. And he was like, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. And I was right. I mean, like 2000. 2011 turned into like a oh my god the orange wave for sure right and it I mean yes of course there were like um, you know Jack Layton was definitely a big part of that but there was you could feel it in the air mm -hmm. you know and if you're paying attention you know and you know how to adjust yourself and and you know what you need to do more of or less of right um, so I, I I think I think any government at some point needs to find a way to refresh itself. And I think, but the thing is, politics is also siege warfare, right? You're in the bunker, you develop these incredible ties with the people that you're sharing the bunker with. Yeah. Um, you're constantly getting volleys, you're constantly getting shelled. Um, and like Justin was being shelled a lot, you know? And so it creates this like tension of, of, of like, why would we, you know, we're, we got something that's working why would we go and make changes? Okay. Now, I find Ottawa to be generally speaking, I thought this, like, even now, um, regardless of the government, it's a very closed city, right? It's yeah. closed in the sense that people are obsessed about what happens on the hill. And you will, re you will appreciate this. It doesn't matter what happens on the hill. No, of course. It's, of course, we, we, we've been saying this for years. For electoral politics, yeah. it doesn't matter at all. Yeah. You got to be in your writings. Yeah. You got to listen to your constituents. Here, here's one thing that I just do not understand how the people at the party don't understand. And, and you said it, there's waves, right? There's ups and downs. Every party goes through them. The big problem is 
if you know that that is tr is a fact because that happens you know it, it's going to happen how do you not adjust right how do you and this is i think the because it's a big ship yeah i mean that, and, that, and that's ship. and again i'm talking from our from our level i mean that's where we've been stuck in and i remember losing the election in uh well we lost the election in 2012 but it was such a small difference that it didn't really impact yeah. anyone's you know, uh, point of view, but we saw it in the numbers. Yeah, we saw we we, we thought, guys, there's something wrong. We're dropping. We saw it in our writing, obviously. Um, but what we saw much more than anything else was this disengagement from your base. Yeah. Right. And and maybe it's and we just thought at that point maybe it's natural. One leader that's been there for so long left. You know, people kind of disconnect. Yeah. Couillard came in. And I think we did well just because of the fact that the difference was so small. Um, and, and that the main story was how badly the PQ had done. Ex uh, yeah, so there was, a, there was a series of things that kind of helped us win that election in 2014. But during that same time, we kept noticing that people just didn't care anymore. There was a disconnect. Yeah. And when your members are no longer there, like when there's, you know, the lights are on, but nobody's kind of <laughs> answering yeah. the door, there's a big problem. And that has just continued all the way until now. And there's very little interest right now. I don't know how these things can, you know, uh, spark up again. You guys did that at the federal level because after uh, Stéphane Zion and Ignatiev, the party was just like nothing. There was like nothing left. I think, I think the, and, and this is, you know, this, uh, this goes against, you know, everything about politics because politics to most is about winning, right? When do I get to be the next party in mm -hmm. charge? And the reality is it's really good for a political party to spend one or two mandates in the opposition. It's a great school. It's a fantastic school. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're constantly going into an election to become the next government, you're missing the pass mm -hmm. at what you actually should be doing. Mm -hmm. You've got to be renewing your membership. You've got to be renewing your base. You've got to be reaching out to the people that have left you and figure out why they've left you. Yeah. And whether they come back or not, that's political. And the other thing, and, and then, I mean, this is, um, and I speak of this sort of from a, a British perspective, um, where, you know, we, we, there is a major party that governed for, you know, a, the liberal party in the UK was the party, you know, and now they're this very small background party. And, 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 and the point I'm trying to make is that it's okay for political parties to die. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to accept that. And we have to take that opportunity. And I'm not saying that the, the, the liberals are going to die. And I'm not saying the PQ is going to die. I'm not saying the, the liberals in the, the no, you are going to die. You need, sometimes you need the wake-up call. The, well, you need the wake-up call, but you also you you got to listen to what's happening around you i also feel like you know? i also feel that we're 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 living through a time where there's this there's this tectonic shift i mean you have people coming out and getting involved that yeah. would never have otherwise even cared about what's happening i don't know what's happening i'm seeing people coming out and engaging in politics that, that like what is going think, on i think we have a messaging problem right like if you think about how messaging in politics has been through the 90s through the you know the the noughties whatever the <laughs> Um, it's been about message control, 
right? It's about repeating the message over and over and over and over again in the hopes that it will catch on, right? That's the, that, that's the philosophy. You know, if you repeat a message enough, it'll, it'll get across right. and people will buy it. And I think that the electorate has become so desensitized to that message discipline that it, it exhausts them and it makes them hate politics because politicians say nothing, yeah. right? And that discipline um, has been, I think, the people who've been able to create a political um, uh, space for themselves are the ones who have no discipline. So the complete opposite. So we're talking about Donald Trump. We're talking about Boris Johnson, uh, potentially some of these candidates in the Canadian Conservative Party, um, where you know that message control um, is literally you know it's a it's a rock out in space and it's getting cold and it's just hurtling away from space and rather we have chaos. Yeah. And at some point it'll come back to the middle to something else. But I think politics needs to loosen its message, and politicians need to become better communicators because fundamentally that's that's what it is. Right. If you're not able to communicate your message or if it doesn't hit then you really got to figure out, you know, you got to figure out a new way. It's not by making that ball even tighter that you're going to get better results. You're just going to keep making people upset about politics. Uh, okay, um, let's wrap it up. I have kept you on um, for, for I've taken a lot I just want to make one last point yeah. about what we were talking yeah. about. You know how I said earlier that I, I left Justin because I knew I didn't have the energy to keep doing what he needed? Mm-hmm. I think that's true in politics. I think at some point you've done it long enough. You know, it's interesting that you're mentioning this because, and I think the key, and I think it was Jean Chrétien that said it, you know, it goes, the most important thing in politics is knowing when to get in and knowing when to get out. That's the only thing that matters. What matters is how you get in and how you come out. If you manage those two periods to be at your best, Nobody remembers the middle. <laughs> I mean, nobody remembers that. And it was just so funny because it's true. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's a lot of exhaust, exhaustion uh, in politics. And um, you got to get out whenever you feel the time is right. And here's the bad thing because we, we know people that have stayed on for way too long. Yeah. Burnouts, depression, yeah. overworked. Um, the problem in politics, what I find, is that sometimes you just feel like you can't leave because you're so invested in what you're doing. A lot of the stuff that happens in politics actually comes through your hands, through your desk. Yeah. And it's not like this giant corporation that has 500 people that everyone with, you know, the little bit of impact that they put in, you know, you, you create this massive result. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. There's literally four, five, six people that manage everything. So, and it takes time. Like, it's not like, okay, let's snap our fingers and make something happen. It's yeah. it's in the works for years, if not months or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I, I remember the seniors' residence that we uh, that, that, that we put up in, uh, in in Park Extension. It took seven years. Seven years. Stuff so takes forever in government to get done. Seven years. Absolutely. So how yeah. do you how do you get up and leave? Like let's say for example, 
on the fifth year when you know that shit i have this uh, like it's not, i'm not done yet like it's not it's not done yet you know like uh, we have this to do and who's gonna come and take over and who knows what to do and your brain is constantly thinking you know how long and i think we've had this conversation i wanted to leave so badly before mm-hmm. you know 2018 I, my plan wasn't to stay on until 2018 and you know a lot of people know this my plan was i gotta get out like i wanted to leave by 2014 2015 uh, and i just couldn't because there were so many things pending that we were working on the only thing that i kept thinking about is yeah but i'm screwing everyone over who's gonna come in and know what to do for the remainder of whatever is left to do like i felt bad instead of thinking about myself and like my sanity i thought yeah but nobody knows what to do like i i, I need to finish this you know french president uh during world war one clemenceau had a saying which was les cimetières sont pleins de gens indispensables <laughs> translate that in english cemeteries are full of indispensable people that's it and i mean that's things go on without you that's that's and and it's okay to care you know i i'm i'm still very invested in that constituency mm-hmm. even to this day like mm-hmm. i i will walk and i saw somebody just before covid a constituent miss ingrid and i like oh wow i hadn't heard that in a long time and i turn around and it's somebody from park x and he's like i miss you yeah, yeah. i'd been gone for eight years yeah. and you sort of go i I know. I miss you guys too. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, that's... it's difficult to make the decision to leave specifically because of the level of uh, commitment that you have. Um, it, it, it's not like any other job. It, it, you know, you get in it, and, and again, let's just be clear: it's not about the money either. Oh my god! <laughs> so it's not about Don't the get money. into politics if you want money. It's I. I mean, like, I lived with a roommate while I worked for Justin. I couldn't afford to get my own place. Mm. That's just the reality. Um, but I think it's it's okay to step away and it's okay to sort of, all right, this is someone else's. Let's wrap it up yeah. as a consultant. Now, I'm talking about the consultant. Yeah. What's going to happen um, from here on? Strange uh, collaboration cooperation with the NDP. Nobody knows what the hell happened there. I think it's an intelligent move in terms of, you know, buying time. Um, We don't see that happening very often. Maybe we should see it happening uh, more often. I don't know. But um, we don't know if it's going to last until 2025. I mean, we know it won't. I don't, I, don't, yeah, I don't think it will either. Um, I think it's smart in the sense... I'll tell you what I think. Tell me if you agree. Okay. I think Justin is buying time to give his party the you know the the room to select a new leader i don't believe that he wants to run another campaign i don't i don't know about that i i have i have no insights oh, into this okay whatsoever. no no but i'm not i'm not telling yeah, you cuz yeah. you might have no, insight no, 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 i'm just no, telling I, you the feeling i get um you sense this exhaustion i think um and there's also a, a huge momentum on the other side right um so i don't know what what he's planning it would surprise me completely that he would run another campaign. Mm-hmm. My guess is that with a minority government, you're thinking that you have one, one and a half years max. That would normally have brought the party early next year, let's say. Um, I have a feeling that this would give them the time to select a new leader. He's going to step down. If, like we said, it's gonna, if they make it to 2025. 
do you think that he has another campaign in him? Do you think it's over? And how do you see the next two, three years going forward? I think if COVID hadn't happened, I'd say, oh, yeah, he's he's going to be out. But because of COVID, I think, and again, I, 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 I don't, he's not told me this, but I have a feeling that maybe the COVID period didn't count for him in terms of time. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a lot that he wants to get done. There's still some files that need to, you know, especially on the environment file and on the reconciliation file. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. There's, there's not been that much that's been done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this, this, um, buys him time to, to move those files forward. I think that the, how those things work out over the next few years will have a more of an impact on whether or not he runs again. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm probably wrong, but that's how I see it. On the other side, I think it's, it's, it's a smart move for the liberals. Um, but the reality is, is I don't think it's a smart move for the NDP. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the NDP did this because they're, party coffers are completely empty and another election would finish them off financially. Well, 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 look, they're still getting a few other things in, right? It's part of the deal, like the pharmacare and all that stuff. I mean, when would they ever have gotten a chance to first govern and secondly pass these things? So they just found a window, they took it. I don't think it's a bad deal for them. The thing is... The problem is in the the future, you're talking about in the future, if it's going to benefit them, yeah, obviously not. And especially if, if if they're using this period to fundraise and rebuild their internal structures. How do you fundraise when an NDP, the NDP is fundamentally a opposition party, Mm. right? And there are some inside that party who truly believe they do not have a place in governing, that their role is to keep the government to account. And that's okay. I think that's a very important role for a political party to have. Um, To then get into a... um, uh, an agreement with the liberals. How do you fundraise? How do you excite your base when you're? Yes, you're getting stuff, but at the same time, you're you're still like you know there's there's still an awful lot of money that an NDP voter would not necessarily be happy to see, like the money on defense, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, I don't know. I, I it's possible that they're okay with that, but um, I think that's that's a hard position Mm -hmm. for them to be in um and of course it won't last until 2025 it's i don't think so either at some point the ndp is gonna you know in politics unfortunately there's a certain amount of spectacle right that's that's the way it works it's always been that way you know what i don't i don't think it's the ndp that's gonna back off from it you think it's the liberals i think so i think whenever they'll be ready to drop the hammer (laughs) they're gonna be like okay let's break the agreement call an election um, I and I have a feeling that it won't be Justin Trudeau. Uh, I could be wrong. I mean, I mean, we're just speculating here, just based on our, you know, quote unquote experience. But, yeah, no, uh, no, we're just honestly now we're just voters. Yeah, you know, we're just yeah. citizen voters. And Don't you love that? I love it. Isn't that amazing? I, I, I love going to bed at a regular hour. <laughs> I love not getting called in the middle of the night by a constituent because I lived right next to the constituency office. So they knew where I lived. Wait, you gave them your number, I your did. personal number? Well, they, I had, you know what it's like. I had two phones. I know what it's like. I just never two did it. Two phones. <laughs> but they had my cell phone number, like my work cell phone number. Oh. And like, uh, it's just, this is the way it is. They they know where to find you. I couldn't go do my, my groceries at the Metro on the corner of Jean Talon and... Oh, is it 
It wasn't La Jeunesse. Anyways. Saint-Gérard or whatever it is. No, the, it was before. The one next to Jean Talon Metro. Whatever. Anyways. Um, and I'm in the aisles and like I got constituents coming over and, hey, can you, uh, you know, can we meet about something? There's something going on. And Is there anything that you miss? I miss, yes. Oh, yeah, of course. I miss the people. I miss, you know, I, I miss our little, like, our little bubble. You know, I had so much fun. Justin's a great boss. We had such a great time. We worked hard, but we had a great time. I miss, you know, talking to Alex in Ottawa every day and harassing him. And and I miss Darula. And, and I really, like... Like those are relationships that matter a great deal, and and I miss those people, and I miss you guys. Aww. No, it's Aww. true. I mean, I honestly learned so much from your office. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I I was a newbie in politics when I started, and yeah. it was good to have you know Doris who 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 knew. Like that <laughs> he knows woman, a shitload of things. Man, that, that woman <laughs> knows what she's doing yeah. in politics, yeah. and 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 it's it's really about the small actions and how much that matters mm. in that local context. Um, you know, that's I, I I miss that. I miss that. I miss my you know my interns and, and all that. But um, oh, I don't miss shouting at my TV during QP. That's for sure. I laughed when you said that because nobody <laughs> looks forward at watching Question Period and even less so the committee work. <laughs> the oh, I, committee spend, I mean, the thing is, I have still spent a lot of time watching committee. Well, now you have to. You, have now to. you have to. Yeah, and that's I your job. I did when I worked for the British government because, of course, trade negotiations and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not where MPs go to shine. Oh, my goodness. And it's actually – I've watched a lot of British um, – uh, committees and and prime minister question, um, which is a completely different experience. It's you know the back bench on in the British Parliament will get up and criticize their own prime minister. It's fascinating to watch. And and we saw that this year, right, where the, the Boris Johnson came really close to being ejected by his own caucus. And they are still threatening him. Uh, and it's fascinating to watch. And in committees, it's they they just feel it feels a lot less like a partisan circus. Mind you, mind you, for a rare time, we saw that in Canada too. They got rid of Erin O'Toole. I I didn't even think that was even possible. I actually asked that question, like. Are we potentially seeing a shift to British-style party discipline? And we saw that even across the floor in Justin Trudeau's cabinet with Joel Lightbound and all these other guys that came yeah. out against him during that whole convoy crisis. And I think that's I think that's great. I think every party should have that space. And fundamentally, I don't think that it matters to the regular voter <laughs> whether or not an MP got angry at the prime minister. Let's be honest here. What is the percentage of the population that actually knew about what happened in... I mean, what's the percentage of the people who know who their MP is? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, people in Papi don't know. Uh, yeah? No, they do. they do. Oh, they do. Okay. I know because they like they called me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the reality is... You're, it's, you're absolutely right. Most people don't know who their MP... And it honestly doesn't matter that much. Right. Unless they make it matter. Unless that MP makes it but matter. But that's what I was telling you, the reality check that I got. Yeah. Where... The people around you, the, cl- the people closest to you, um, have zero idea about what's happening. And it's like, you, you know, you go over to your friend's house and you're having dinner or whatever, and you're talking about what you're doing, and everyone is just looking at you with this blank. And then, 
Mm-hmm. Well, 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 well. Do you know I would lie to people when they asked me what I did for a living? What would you tell them? I'd say I'm a teacher. <laughs> Come on. Man. I couldn't. <laughs> I teach. I couldn't. I teach sick kids. And uh, I couldn't. I <laughs> couldn't have another conversation with a stranger about what I did for a living. No, when but I worked what I'm telling you is that couldn't. I realized, I realized that, and you know, through talking to people, that nobody cared. Not only did they not care, they didn't give a shit. They, oh, they, they just. They they didn't care like they didn't. People cared. For me, they care. That's why I had to start lying. No, me. I'm talking about you know. We're talking about generally the population. Like when you realize. No, they're paying bills. They're getting their kids yeah. to school. They're worried about. It's gonna rain on the garden. Can I pay my taxes? I mean, that's the stuff people like. The politics. It's a feeling they get. Right? It's not, they're not watching QP like crazy me 10 years ago. They're. How sad is it though? And, you know, we're going back to elections when you're running a campaign, you obviously know your, um, uh, your, uh, what do you call it? Your, your program inside and out, right? Yeah. Your platform. You obviously read the other party's platform. Like, you know what's happening, right? Yeah. And then on the ground, you're campaigning and you realize that nobody cares about what you're promising all they care about who's uh, who's ahead no oh, let's look at the polls okay My garbage hasn't been picked up yeah yeah exactly that's and honestly that's the stuff that matters i'll, I'll tell you one thing you, you probably will relate to it i hope you will <laughs> from 2007 all the way until 2018 even my own campaign yeah i never once on the ground campaigned uh referring to the platform not once, because nobody cares. We nobody did actually, cares. in 2011, there was a candidate debate at uh, William Hankston. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, it's, it's well known. Justin is a very good debater and he likes to be prepared. And he was able to reference the the platform when questions were asked he did a great job no, it's on video somewhere no, obviously when you're preparing for your debate you got to know your stuff because yeah, that's was, when the questions are going to come up but when you're meeting regular people on the ground you can't expect them to have read the platform to explain to them and get asked questions no. on you know what we're yeah. promising nobody cares nobody know nobody cares well, and 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 i think you'll agree with this and you know i was saying like you know the comms messaging and all that the most important skill in politics is listening and that's if you if people don't feel like they they can talk to you or they have your ear or that you you care, they're not going to vote for you. I always felt from the very beginning that we had a much bigger impact on people. Like you said, just mm-hmm. engage in conversation. We would campaign and just talk to people. Hey, how's it going? Basic stuff. Hey, you know, there's a campaign. This is this. Blah blah blah. Uh, and and then. Before you know it, just people are chatting with you and asking questions unrelated to elections or even to politics. And I always felt that that connection was worth so much more money <laughs> than uh, telling them what just we're going be a to do. Normal human being. Yeah. And it's hard you know, when you when you get to become the governing party. That's a lot harder. There's mm. there's a lot of things that get in the way, and it's not getting in the way. Governing is hard. You got to make some real choices, and you 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 know. Like, Sometimes we're talking life and death situations and that cannot somebody and, and your circle does get smaller. Yeah. You know, that's just the way that the work is. Um, and, you know, it's it's not an easy job. Um, I want to thank you. It, it was thank great you. seeing you. It was great seeing you. Um, you came all the way from Ottawa just for this. <laughs> He's <laughs> lying. <laughs> 
Uh, it's Had good. to go to the dentist. We could have done this over Zoom, and uh, the fact that you came here, um, I appreciate it. It was good to see you in person, um, and I think uh, we should uh, do this more often. Sure, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. 